history says there's a real Jesus who really lived and really died. It's without question. Those that say otherwise, sorry, they're a day late and a dollar short. So here's evidences for the resurrection. They all start with E, not to be cute, but for the sake of your memory. So you can remember. If you can remember the E, you'll get the rest of the phrase. There's the empty tomb. No body was ever found. Explanation, body was stolen away. Well, the other evidences blow that out of the water. Guards were put on duty. It would be a crime for them to fall asleep or a crime for them to allow this to happen. They would be punished severely for that. There was a Roman seal put on the stone that if you broke the seal, that would be a big offense. The empty tomb. The enraged enemies. They wanted to put an end to Jesus' life and an end to his influence. They were enraged before he died. They were certainly enraged after his resurrection. And they took it out on his followers. They wanted to end his influence. They wanted to end his life. They made sure he was dead. They used the Bible as best they could to put an end to his life and pulled up out of context the verse about blasphemy in Leviticus 24. If Christ was lying, then he would have been blasphemer and insane who he was and he would be guilty of death. But he wasn't lying. Who knows that's the truth? So his enemies made sure there could be no fake resurrection. They thought that was a danger so they took great precautions so that that could never happen because not just because they wanted him dead, but they wanted his movement dead. He upset their apple cart. He cost them money. He cost them influence. He cost them their own disciples. There's the eyewitnesses up to 500 at once that Paul referred to and says, you guys can go interview. Well, over half of them are still alive. You know, less than 250 are already gone on to meet their reward. But those that are alive, you can you can meet them, and he gives the names of other eyewitnesses. And the eyewitness testimonies of some of those people are recorded in the Bible. John Mark wrote his gospel, the Gospel of Mark. He was related to Peter, so Peter's words are in his book. Luke wrote the book of Acts. Also, he interviewed people when he wrote his book. This, Matthew was one of the 12, one of the 11 who wrote his gospel. John was one of the 11 when he wrote his gospel. So their gospels are eyewitness testimony. And if you remove respect for eyewitness testimony, you destroy the judicial systems of the world. We don't have any hope for justice or law and order. Eyewitness testimony stands. Can you say stand? It just does. Now here's what's unique. In many courtrooms... Eyewitness testimonies contradict each other. He hit me with the blue car. No, he hit her with a white car. It's just the way witnesses are. So the unity between these eyewitness testimonies is absolutely amazing. Stunning. This is an indication that it happened. The empowered followers, the guys who were scared of their shadow, did not recant their story, their faith, their testimony, the gospel in the face of torture, loss, Shame, death. Something happened. The church got a foothold and still moving on today because of the resurrection. 
the engaged family. Now, kin folks, they won't go along with your delusions. Uh, Jesus said a prophet can be honored everywhere except in their own hometown. Remember Billy Carter? What an embarrassment he was. Anybody ever drink some Billy beer? Our presidents have had kin folks that have been kind of an embarrassment. They'll denounce them. Remember President Reagan? Remember, well, I don't want to get into all that stuff, but family don't go along with delusions. His family believed the resurrection, became leaders in the church. Two of his brothers wrote books in the New Testament. Something happened. The empire resisted the spreading of the gospel for three plus centuries. And that stopped and it became the official religion of the Roman Empire, which forced conversion is not a good thing, but who knows? <laughs> the stopping of getting uh, beaten and robbed and killed, persecuted. Don't you know the church was rejoicing? Hallelujah. The empire, after trying to fight it, embraced it. You're talking about an empire based on worshiping of the emperor. Came to an end. We have the remains of that in the Roman Catholic Church. The eclipsing of Easter. Some people call Resurrection Day Easter. I try not to. It's the name of a pagan goddess named Ishtar. And this was the time of year to celebrate her. Boy, didn't her day get all convoluted. We have uh, remains of that with fertility stuff. Uh, Easter bunnies because they multiply like rabbits. And eggs because they're a sign of fruitfulness. But uh, I've never seen a chicken hatch out of a boiled egg. So, <laughs> Needless to say, her day was trashed by the resurrection. Yes. Amen. And finally, the enduring results that are still with us today. You're here because of the resurrection. Well, I don't believe in the resurrection, but you're here. Probably wouldn't be here because of that. This is a result of what happened centuries ago the empty tomb, the transformed followers, the enraged enemies that made sure the crime scene stayed untampered with. Thus serving the purpose of God. Isn't God so awesome? Even his greatest enemies are working for him. Those of us that are easily threatened by folks, don't be. Put your faith in a great big God. Oh, but the devil's at work. Oh, yeah, he is, but... He's a created being, and he's going to be dealt with in time. In the meantime, God is awesome. The devil opposes God, but he's not God's opposite. God has no opposite. You know? The absence of heat is cold, or you could say the opposite of heat is cold. The absence of light is dark. You could say the opposite of light is dark. But the opposite of God is nothing. He has no opposite. I think we've got one more reason to believe. The engraving of history. What year do we live in? A.D. 2023. Versus B.C. Before Christ is B.C. 
A.D. is not after death. It's Anno Domino. Anno is related to time or year, like annual, right? And Domino relates to lordship or to dominate. Anybody here dominated dominoes? Call you a dominating domino player. Anyway, so it, it means the year of the Lord's reign, or the year of his lordship. So we say A.D. first, because his reign started with the life of Christ. Now, there is no zero year between B.C. and A.D. Now, obviously, this was done in post-time uh, to organize history. So time jumps from 1 B.C. to 1 A.D. So there's some iffiness there in, in which Christ actually was born. But he died around 30 A.D. We're coming upon 2,000 years from the resurrection. This was engraved in history. You can't get away from it. We are stuck with 2023. Can you imagine trying to program all the computers? Remember what a mess Y2K was? So there are efforts in history books to try to change BCE, meaning before common era, and CE to replace AD to mean common era. But it still is 2023. Why is it 2023 CE? Because of the resurrection. Deal with it. Christ is risen! Now I conclude, having shared the gospel, I pray that God gives you the grace to believe what has been proclaimed today. But I conclude with this appeal. It's a shocking appeal. Five things that God does not know. Now, we as believers believe that God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows the future, the present, and the past. He knows his creation from the most minute detail to the most immense detail in the universe. God knows everything. And we say everything. everything. But there are some things he does not know. Can you say some things? He does not know of anyone who is not a sinner. I know your little baby's perfect, but you just wait. <laughs> Time will show itself the nature that they have. Sometimes their first word is, no! Rebellion shows itself. Or mine! Selfishness shows itself. So we are all sinners. Can we say everybody? God does not know a sinner he does not love. So he does not know anyone who's not a sinner, but he does not know a sinner he does not love. For God so loved the world of sinners that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but might have everlasting life. When was he begotten? I don't have time, but I can show you in the Bible. When he rose from the dead, God said, this day I have begotten you. So God so loved the world that he gave his risen son, having paid the penalty for our sins, death, burial, and resurrection, so that whoever believes in him would not perish but ha might have everlasting life. Third thing God does not know, he does not know of a sin he does not hate. Sin that he hates separate the people that he loves from himself and from one another and generates all sorts of hurt in the world.
Why is there wickedness in the world? We're sinners. You don't believe it? Turn on the news. Read the headlines of a national newspaper. Maybe not your community newspaper. And then sometimes it manifests itself there. So everyone's a sinner. Everyone is loved by God. But their sins must be dealt with. God does not like it. This is why everyone's not going to heaven. If unredeemed, untransformed people go to heaven, now you're in the midst of people who have been redeemed and God's in the process of transforming us. So we're not all ready for heaven yet, right? But if he took everyone there, it would become earth too. Someone would start fires. Someone would be changing the locks to your mansion or whatever we have to exist there. So it's a place in the next dimension for his people. This earthly existence is the place of transformation. God hates sin, so he's dealing with it now. God does not know of any way to save sinners whom he loves from the sin that he hates. He does not know of any way to save sinners other than through the free gift of his son. He doesn't know of any other way. Well, I'm a good person. Well, Hitler thought he was a good person. Sorry. Our goodness is as filthy rags, the Bible says. And that was written in a day when there wasn't toilet paper. Hello. Oh. We need righteousness given to us as a free gift. We need salvation. If it's by our goodness, then we have room to be prideful. There's no other way than through the son coming to live a perfect life and then dying an unjust death and God allowing it so that what he did could be applied to our case. The penalty we owe, death being the worst penalty for the worst kind of crime. He's paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but his blood washes white as snow. And fifthly, he does not know of a better time for sinners whom he loves to be saved than today. So you're a sinner, but God loves you, and he sent his son to save you, and there's no better time for you and I to receive the benefit of that than today. Can we raise our hearts but bow our heads? Lord, we lift our hearts up to you. We open our ears to you. And we say, Lord, if this is true, open our eyes to see our need for you. Convict us of our sins. Give us the free gift of saving faith so that we can believe, so that we can call, so that we can receive, so that we can stand. Lord, take these words that have been shared today like seed, plant them in the heart of every person in this room and make us alive in you. Amen.